So we're, we're trying to move forward and believe in God and hoping for the very best. Everybody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5. If you got your Bible, open it if you don't. I have it here on the screen for you. Praise God. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. And tonight, I don't know if Brother Cromwell's listening, he might be, but tonight I'm going to title this Trust Your Guide. Trust Your Guide. Let's lift our voices to the Lord. Let's give God praise. Lord Jesus, I worship and praise you, Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Oh, God, you've been better to me than I deserve. God, you saved me. You kept me down through the years. You've been good to me. You've protected me, guided me, directed my steps. And here I am, Lord, today, God, to follow and serve the Lord and to do your will. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Didn't we have a great time Sunday or what? It was great seeing folks getting the Holy Ghost and getting baptized in Jesus' name. And uh, we've taught some Bible studies. Brother Shane's been teaching some Bible studies. And I'll tell you what, we're looking forward to what God is going to do in this whole area. You may be seated. Praise God. I think if I was a devil, I'd be hightailing it out of here right now. Because I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. Praise God, praise God. Brother Morell Cornwell and I became friends several years ago. And since that time, we have... Uh, gone on several trips together and along uh, also many times with Brother Gary has gone with us and some of other guys here in the congregation sometimes gone and we've had some wonderful times but one time uh, on uh, one of the first trips I took with him he made a statement to me and he since has repeated it many times and that simply was you've got to trust your guide I begin to think about that. I begin to think about it, and I realize that uh, that guide that you have is a professional. He, uh, he's been trained. He knows what to do. He knows where to place a person if they're going to be hunting. He knows where the best opportunity is going to be. If he's a good guide, he's aware of the wind direction, and he knows where to put you so that you won't be scented. And he knows where the big boy is hanging out. And he knows where to put you. And you can second guess him. And you can say, you know, I've sat on this stand a couple different days and I, I don't feel very good about this stand. And, and he will probably move you to another stand. But oftentimes... 
When you moved to the other stand, that's when the trophy showed up at the stand that he had placed you on, that he and his expertise knew that if you would be patient, you would find something worthwhile. And I, it, it struck me, trust your guide. The psalmist said that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. I think it's, it's the will of God for us to not live in fear and not live in worry, but to be able to trust that God has exactly our best interest in mind and that he's leading us. I don't think anybody should just assume that you're here by divine coincidence. I think everybody should, should believe that, that God has placed you where you are and that whatever situation he's led you to, he knows how to bring you through. Whatever the situation that, that you're facing right now, it might have been a surprise to you, but it was not a surprise to God. And before you were ever born, God already knew how he was going to work that situation out. Remember the young preacher that was going to try to go away for a while, and he said, Lord, I'm really concerned who's going to be watching over the church while I'm gone. And the Lord said, the same one that's been watching over the church while you've been here. <laughs> we have to trust our guide. Our steps are ordered by the Lord. He's going to work it out. He's going to help you. Hey, folks, he's going to work it out. Put your trust in him. Hallelujah. The Amplified Bible renders Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 like this. Listen carefully. Lean on, trust in, and be confident in the Lord with all your heart and mind. And do not rely on your own insight or understanding. In all your ways, recognize and acknowledge him, and he will direct and make straight and plain your paths. When I was uh, a young boy and I was determined to live for God, Proverbs chapter 3 was probably one of the most important passages in the entire Bible to me. I felt like it was a word straight from the Lord for me. And I took it to heart. And I read carefully that Proverbs chapter 3. And it meant so much to me that I could trust in the Lord with all my heart. That he was going to take care of me. Situations that I didn't know how to deal with, God was going to help me with it. And you know what? That chapter of Proverbs has been an anchor in my life from the time I was just a small boy. So I looked at Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 6, where it says, In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. And I thought, you know, in America, when we say acknowledge, that's kind of like a nod of the head. We acknowledge so-and-so is present today, and we acknowledge this or we acknowledge that, and we acknowledge that many times by just a nod of the head. And I thought, God, I, 
I think you're meaning more than just that. So I began to look, and I, and I looked in six more Bible versions so I could understand what it means when it says, in all thy ways acknowledge him. And so here's the six real quick. One, remember the Lord in everything you do, and he shall direct thy paths. Two, give ear to him, and he shall direct thy paths. Three, always let him lead you with every step you take, and he shall direct thy paths. Think about the Lord. Think about what the Lord wants, and he shall direct thy paths. Five, listen for God's voice in everything you do, and he shall direct thy paths. And finally, six, seek his will in all you do, and he shall direct thy paths. So uh, when I was reading that, I knew it was more than just a nod of the head, but it was all of these things. Remember, give ear to, let him lead you. Think about what the Lord wants. Listen for his voice. Seek his will. That's all in that word, acknowledge. And he shall direct thy paths. And again, it goes back to, you have to trust your guide. I think now, because we're so close to the coming of the Lord, that some people's faith have been shaken by all the things they see happening in the world. They see the rise of China, right? They see the one world globalist taking more and more power. And when they see the erosion of national borders, everybody's listening. And because we see all these things, it's easy for people to think, well, maybe we're, maybe we're going to go through the tribulation. But I think the real story is, what we're seeing is the world is preparing for its antichrist. We need to be preparing for our Christ. And to as many as look for him, he shall appear. So it's important that we not take our eyes off Christ, but begin to expect. And the Bible even says, look up because your redemption draweth nigh. Don't let your faith start waning. Don't let your faith start melting because you see the world preparing to receive the mark of the beast. They have to be conditioned for it to happen. And truly, that conditioning for one world government is in full swing right now. But don't worry. The Lord Jesus shall soon descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Trust your God. Don't start getting fearful because you see prophetic events trending. I'm glad you see prophetic events trending. That's great. But let that cause your faith in the coming of the Lord to be that much stronger. And if it's that close to the one world government, ladies and gentlemen, think about how close that means we are to the coming of the Lord. I don't preach it's bad now, but you ain't seen nothing yet, pardon my English. 
I'm not standing up here preaching that it's bad now, but you're going to go through seven years of horrible tribulation. That's not what is being preached, and that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible says, as it were, in the days of Lot. What happened in Lot's day? Lot said, let me go to this city. And the angel said, see, I've accepted thee in this also. Go, because I can do nothing until you're in that city. As it were, the days of Lot. Praise God. That means the judgments of God are not going to fall until the people of God are safely in that city. As it were in the days of Noah. Noah didn't have to stay and drown. God put him in an ark and the ark was raised up. And praise God, we're going to be raised up. Are you with me? There needs to be some encouragement and there needs to be some folks that say, you know what? I'm going to trust my guide. If you're going to trust your God, the first thing you've got to learn is to trust the word of God. Now, I know there's a lot of scary things going on right now, but trust the word of God. I know you hear me saying this, but if you were a pilot of a, uh, an aircraft, you have to trust those gauges. You can't trust your own mind because your mind can tell you, what are you doing? That's $25. And that was the assistant general superintendent. I'm going to charge him 25 bucks for that. That was Paul Mooney. Your brain can be telling you you're this way, but the gauges tell you that you're this way. Because your brain can lie to you. You have to trust the gauge and make the adjustment that the gauge tells you. Because if you make the adjustment that your own mind is telling you, you will put your plane into what they call a graveyard spiral. That doesn't sound good to me. I have never needed to trust the word of God as much as I need to trust the word of God now. You have never needed to trust the word of God as much as you trust the word of God now. There are so many different doctrines and teachings and, and beliefs and everybody that has, they have erased black and white and covered the world with this icky gray that nothing's right, nothing's wrong, and what's right for you may not be right for me, and what's wrong for you may not be wrong for me. But that's not what the Word of God says. The Word of God still says, this is right, this is wrong, it's unchangeable, it's the Word of God. Put your trust in the Lord, put your trust in the Word. Come on, somebody, it's Wednesday night. So I got to look at the word of God and the word of God says in Psalm 119 verse 9, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. 
I, I tell you today, I, I just can't express to you how much I love this book. This book is a lifesaver. This book is a soul saver. This book has the answers to every question. And this book tells me how I can make it safely home. It's my compass. It's always pointing to heaven. All I have to do is follow this book. It's the Word of God. How many love the Word of God? Why don't we just stop right now and give God thanks for this precious Word that God's given us. Lord, we thank you for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, for this precious book. Oh, Lord, we love your Word. Thy Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Oh, God, you're great and greatly to be praised. And we love this wonderful book. Thank you, Jesus, for your wonderful, wonderful word. And somebody said amen. amen. Hallelujah. i never forget Brother Johnny James. How many remember Brother Johnny James? That little petite black man with the brain of a genius. And with most of the Bible memorized. I'll never forget Brother Johnny James telling me, how that he was in an airport and there was this big man, like an NFL-sized guy, reading the Koran. And Johnny James walked up to him. And you got to remember how small Johnny James, I mean, you, you blow him over. He's about this tall. And Johnny James went and stood in front of this guy and folded his arms like this, got in his personal space and just stared down at him. Well, it was almost staring down. The guy was sitting down. <laughs> Finally, the guy realizes that somebody's staring at him. And he looks up. And Johnny James said these words. No, Brother Mooney, you can't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry, friend. I, I'm so sorry. He's going to be speaking for our district in two days, and he is getting a little nervous. Okay? I hope he's not canceling, praise God. That's another good reason not to answer right now. I want to be a Christian in front of you. Hallelujah. No. So, <laughs> he looks up, and Johnny James said, My book is better than your book. And uh, Shane, I want you to just take this phone away from me because I cannot turn the ringer off. It's on Facebook. I just can't get it off. Take it and go in the prayer room and tell my friend what I'm doing. My book is better than your book. The man closes the Koran flexes those huge biceps and stands up and he's going he's to do business. And Johnny says, now wait, brother. Wait a minute, brother. And I love it because Johnny James begins to quote to him what the Koran says about a subject. Then he quotes what the Bible says about a subject. And then he quoted what the Koran said about a different subject. And he quoted what the Bible said about a different subject. It ended up with that man being converted and being baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. 
My book is better than any other book. This wonderful Bible. Hallelujah. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Why? I thank you, Jesus, for this wonderful word of God. If you want to end up in heaven, God's not going to be looking at you and saying, okay, let's see, uh, what did you say the denomination was? It doesn't matter what you claim as your denomination. Let me tell you what that is. That is a little deal that people hide behind. There are no lines in heaven that says, okay, this is where all this denomination goes. This door is the one that all this denomination goes through. This one over here is a... Uh, no, no. What the Word of God is going to do is it's, it, the, the Word of God is going to be open. And whosoever was not found written in the Lamb's book of life shall be cast into a lake of fire. And the Bible talks about the books being open, being the Word of God. And what God is going to require is not what you called yourself by title, but did you repent of your sins? Were you baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins? Did you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking with tongues? And you're not going to be able to say, well, you know, I just didn't think it was important. And God's going to say, uh, the book, the book. The book told you you needed to do that. That's the word of God. Folks, what God is looking for is obedience. I got this brainstorm. Is it okay if I share it again? I have a brainstorm. I would like this summer... For us to all go down to the Kennebec River. And I'd like for us to advertise far and wide. Anybody who has never been baptized in the name of Jesus. Come meet us at the river. We'll have a team of people baptizing. I'd like to baptize a hundred people or more on that day. I don't know where they will go when they get done. All I know is that I'm going to ask them to repent, and then I'm going to baptize them in the name of Jesus, or somebody will, and we're going to lay hands on them, and God is going to fill them with the Holy Ghost, and then what God does after that, I don't know, but we'll encourage them. Somebody said, why would you do that? Because I believe with all of my heart that we are so close to the coming of the Lord that some people may not get everything. They may not know it all, but at least they could be born of water and spirit and hopefully make the rapture. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord. So uh, we're going we're gonna to do that. I, I've read in, in, uh, in history about, and I've heard... Preachers talk about how that they gathered at, at a river or a lake and begin to baptize people. And one time uh, I was reading about in the early days in, in our country, as they were baptizing people, that people came under the influence of the Holy Ghost and some of them were floating on their backs in the water out in the spirit. And the preacher was walking around saying, I baptize you in the name of Jesus. I baptize you in the name of Jesus. 
I got a hankering to see something like that happen. I have read in the history of the Pentecostal church in Maine where they had a huge baptismal out on the coast. And Brother Harvey Howe, many, many years ago, was baptizing people in the ocean. I was preaching in a little town called Juniper. And after church, we had a baptismal service at the river, which flowed right by the church building. They didn't have a baptismal pool, but they had a river. And the preacher went down the river. His name was Jack Long. After that day, Juniper gave him a nickname. They called him Jack the Dipper. It stuck. He became known as Jack the Dipper. I was his first evangelist to preach for him in his brand new pastorate, an old church, but he was the new pastor. And the power of God began to move. Eighteen people were filled with the Holy Ghost in that little tiny church. We walked outside and started baptizing. And I remember, I particularly remember a businessman standing on the bridge watching. And all of a sudden he went, and he rips off his coat. And he runs down to the water and he says, preacher, baptize me. And when that afternoon was over, in that little tiny town, 25 people had gone down in the water in the name of Jesus Christ. I say it's time to have an old-fashioned Holy Ghost Jesus name revival. So, we want to follow this compass. It's going to take us home. We're going to make it. You're going to make it, and I have to trust my God. Hallelujah. You know, God's word is like a highway sign. You don't have to pay any attention to it if you don't care what happens. But it's really important that we follow this book. If the Bible says it, let's believe it. I have two rules about the Bible. You want to hear them? Where you're going to? No, just teasing. Rule number one, the Holy Bible is always right. Rule number two, if you have a difference of opinion, refer to rule number one. I'm so thankful for this good book. I want this word to abide in my heart. No matter what culture says, no matter what the prevailing philosophies are, no matter how few are obeying, no matter how unpopular, inconvenient, impractical, different, distasteful, inconvenient, and seemingly out of touch, I want to trust and obey the Word of God. Now, I'm going to preach to every living person the new birth. But I will tell you this. When a person goes to, into eternity, goes to be with the Lord, this preacher is not going to say, well, this one made it, this one didn't, this one made it. This. That's not my department. That's God's department. And if it's up to me, everybody's going up there. 
But to every living person, I will try to get them baptized. I will try to pray them through the Holy Ghost. I will try to make sure that they understand the mighty God in Christ. I trust my guide. Somebody say, trust your guide. You know, there's safety in the Word of God. So settle it in your mind that the Bible is God's Word. It's infallible, inspired, and indisputable. And I believe that. Everybody that believes that, would you say an amen? Amen. The second thing you must do is trust the guide that God has placed in your life. For everybody, God will place a man of God or a woman of God in your life according to God's will. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthian church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, one sentence Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Why, some people would think that was mighty vain to say something like that. If you didn't know Paul, you might take this as a statement of sure audacity. You might say, well, the impudence of that man, follow me as I follow Christ. The insolence of that man, the arrogance, what an inflated ego. Follow me as I follow Christ. But that person who thought those things would be wrong, because let me tell you something about Paul. Paul worked harder, had been put in jail more often, had been whipped times without number, faced death again and again and again. Five different times the Jews beat him with 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. Once he was in the open sea all night and the whole next day. He had traveled many weary miles, had often been in great danger from floods and from robbers and from his own people as well as from the hands of the Gentiles. He had faced dangers from mobs in the city and from death. One time he had to be let out of a city in a basket that was lowered over a wall. He had dangers in deserts and in stormy seas and from men who claimed to be brothers. In fact, they were not. And Paul learned to live with weariness and pain and sleepless nights. Often he was hungry and thirsty How often he went without food, and often he shivered with cold, and often there were not enough clothes to keep him warm. Then besides all this, he had the constant care of the church on his heart and mind every day and every night. Along with that, when a disciple made a mistake, Paul felt sadness for that person. When Demas decided to go his own way, Paul involuntarily cried out, and it was recorded in the scripture. He said, Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. When a precious brother or sister was spiritually hurting, Paul's fury rose against that one who would hurt one of the disciples. And here's what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 9. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle into the world, and to angels and to men we are fools for Christ's sake, but you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but 
you are strong, you are honorable, but we are despised even unto this present hour. We both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place and labor, working with our own hands, being reviled, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer, being defamed, we entreat, we are made as the filth of the world and are the offscouring of all things unto this day. I write not these things to shame you, but as my beloved sons, I warn you. For though you have 10,000 instructors in Christ, he said, yet have you not many fathers? For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore, I beseech you, be ye followers of me. I kind of get a better picture when I read that whole story. How Paul felt so strongly to say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, I've met people whose idea of the ministry is like show business. They're, they're like the rhinestone cowboy. They want to be where the lights are shining on them. That is not the heart of a true man or woman of God. Paul was not an egotist. He wasn't desiring or, or demanding that everyone bow to his whims and fancies. But he knew how urgent the mission was that God had called him to do. He knew that God had sent him. He knew how imperative and how critical it was for those to whom God had sent him to be able to trust and follow. And so, I'm sure, against his own wishes, he cries out, follow me as I follow Christ. I'll never forget, it was over in the old building, still waiting for God to send me an architect. If anybody knows an architect, we've got to start designing that one. But we were sitting in the old building, I was. As I recall, I was sitting at the piano, and I had just finished, and how many remember the suicide doors we used to have? Uh, many a good person's been injured at those suicide doors. They were like the old-fashioned Western saloon doors. They were on a swivel, and they were wooden. And a kid would be escaping his mother and running from the door, and from the other side would be a 79-year-old precious saint walking toward the door. And lo, the two of them met. And one went down, and the other one went over. So I was sitting in the old building and I sat at the piano and all of a sudden, bang, the door just burst open and the both doors swung wide. And I saw a young man, I think he probably was around 19, 20. And he was, we had a center aisle. He was running down the center aisle. His knees folded and he slid underneath the altar bench, the old wooden altar bench. And then he started pounding his hand with a closed fist. I'll never forget it. I still remember as if it was yesterday, I can quote verbatim. He said, my God, I'm ruined. My God... I'm ruined. And then he said these words, I quote, Why didn't I listen to my pastor? 
Ladies and gentlemen, I believe that I am a kind-hearted person most of the time. And I try. I really want to be a Christian. But I could not feel the presence of God to go over and pray with that young man. I felt terrible, but there was nothing. It was like I was checked. And I got up, and I walked down the side aisle, and I slipped out the door, and I left. I felt like God was not allowing me, at that point, to pray for him. That man would go on, and he would get in a lot of trouble. He would end up spending years in prison. And then finally, just before he died, I received a phone call and said, Pastor, would you come up to the hospital? This man is dying, and he would like to speak to you. I said, yes, I'll be there right now. I dropped what I was doing. I went up there, and I walked into the room where this man was, and he said, I want to ask your forgiveness. I said, I forgive you. You have nothing to worry about there. We prayed together, and I hope and pray that all went well with him. But I'm telling you something. I, I watch people in life, and it's not the, the dumb or the smart that necessarily mess up. It's not really based on whether they're talented with ten talents or if they only have one. Most usually what I see is when a person is willing to submit themselves to God, they can work through just about anything. If they've had problems, they can work it out with God. If they will be submitted to God, they can work it out. But the people that will not submit to God, even though they may be greatly talented, always end in the ditch of life. It just seemed to... I met somebody just recently. I wanted to help them. But there was nothing, absolutely nothing to work with. Listen, you need to trust your God. You need to trust that God has placed the people in your life that he's placed. You need to trust that God has given you a pastor. I'm not saying that because I want you to do what my whims or desires are. I'm saying it because I really know that we're very, very close to the coming of the Lord. And I feel like I have to tell you, follow me as I follow Christ. Come on, let's go. Let's go. Don't hold back. Don't give it partial uh, uh, attention. Don't give it a, a, a partial dedication. Give God your all. Don't worry. We're almost home. You need to trust your guide that God places in your life. I remember many years ago telling the story of the young man that was working in the church and I actually seen something like that happen when we were building this church. Something happened, and the staging he was on tipped, and he came down. In the case of here in Augusta, the young man was so athletic that he was able to grab a hold of this before we had the, the roof, and we just had the beams and a concrete floor. And he held on to the beam. The scaffold underneath him tipped, and he was left hanging right up there. 
and he was able to pull himself up and swing around and sit on top of the beam. And I said, thank you, Jesus. But this other fella, the scaffolding tipped, and he was up in this area of the building, and he managed to land on the pulpit and then hop, vault off the pulpit, and he had no broken bones. And he said, Pastor, I was saved by the pulpit. <laughs> that stuck in my mind because I can't tell you how many times I was going to pull the trigger on something and an old man of God or woman of God walked up, opened up the book, and I tell you, they never took their eyes off of me. That whole message, they stared at me. They stared holes in me. Now I look back on it, I realize they weren't maybe even looking at me. But God made it seem like they were, that's all they were doing was staring at me. And well, I'll tell you what, I went to an altar and I reflected on what I was about to do. And I said, okay, I won't do that then. I'll never forget, I was in a little home missions church in Waterville, Maine. And there was a lady there, she was a very precious saint of God. She's still a very precious saint of God today. And uh, she came to me and she said, Pastor, I'm, uh, I'm going to be leaving and I'm going to be going on a trip. And she, there was this guy that she had met and they were going to go on a motorcycle. And he wasn't, I could feel in the Holy Ghost, he wasn't all he's supposed to be. I said, no, please don't do that. Well, I'm going to. I found out something in recent years. People don't come to the pastor to ask what to do. They just come to tell you what they're going to do. If you have, if you have an idea, they'll, they'll, they'll listen to your idea, but that's as far as it gets. Hello? She walked downstairs, and she was angry, and she, she went into her. She was a Sunday school teacher, and she went in, and, and the the little Sunday school book she was using was open and, and she looked down and it said obey them to have the rule over you I thought that was kind of funny some of you didn't even laugh but it's a true story well today she's still in the church because she came back upstairs and said okay God just spoke to me confirming what you just said I'm not going to do it and and today she's living for God and serving the Lord. Isn't that great? Yes. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Another young lady in that same church, I've told this before, she was at the end of her rope. She was about to give up. She had decided that she couldn't make it and that she was going to quit living for God. And I had been, as a home missionary, working all day driving a truck and unloading it. And I was very tired, or as Maine people would say, wicked tired. And I was about to get up in the pulpit and say, folks, I, I need you to pray for me. I'm, I, I don't really even know what I'm going to preach tonight. I've been, I've been working 10 hours, and, and I, I, I'm a little dizzy right now, and I'm weak. And, and I was feeling sorry for myself, quite honestly. And as I'm striding toward the pulpit, God said, don't you dare. Don't you do that. 
Oh, I'm so glad that there's a still small voice of God that can speak to you. And I got up in the pulpit and I said, people, God can do anything. And there's nothing that God cannot do. And I began just to talk about how God's got it all. And that lady who I did not know that was going to be her last service that night. She was going to tell me after service that this is the last one. But suddenly the power of God hit her. She was sitting about three rows back from the front. She jumped up and she twirled and she danced and she spoke in tongues. And she got an experience that made her absolutely intoxicated in the Holy Ghost. And when she got done, she came walking up to me and she said, Pastor, this was going to be my last service. I was giving up. But when you got up and said, God can do anything. God's got this. He's able to help you. He will help you. She said, the power of God hit me, and I feel so refreshed. Oh, hallelujah. That's been many years ago. I tell you tonight, God is able today. Whatever situation you're in, you need to trust God. Trust the Bible. Trust your guide. I must stop and praise God. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you for taking care of us. I was preaching this very message. Something very similar, and it was the same title. I was preaching as a guest. And... A very wonderful couple and some others were sitting listening, and I didn't know that they had in, this would be their last service. And I preached about trust your guide, trust the person God's placed in your life. It's easier for me to preach it when I'm preaching in somebody else, the church that somebody else pastors. It's so much easier. But I felt such a heavy burden. Tears streamed down my face and I said, trust your guide, trust your guide, trust your guide. Well, this, there was a group of people. They'd all gotten offended about something. I don't remember all the particulars, but they'd all gotten, they were all precious people. But, you know, sometimes when people get offended, they can't seem to let go of it. They just keep, stay offended somehow. It's okay to get offended, but it's not okay to stay offended. Everybody's going to get offended now and then. It's just the way life is. Nobody intends to offend you, but sometimes you're going to be offended. And oh boy, doesn't the devil love it when he can make you offended at the man of God. What better deal could you give the devil than that? You don't want to listen to that slob. Look what he did. So I preached this message, and when I got done, I felt love of the Lord, and I went down the stairs. And they were sitting right over here on the front row, beautiful couple, several children. A leader in the church, both of them were leaders. 
And I went down and I sat down beside them and they began to pour their heart out to me. And they said, oh, Brother Stoops, you just don't understand what our pastor's done to us. And I pleaded with them, listen, don't, don't follow that. Don't, that's not of God. I'm going to tell you that today they are divorced, that I don't know where the woman is. I don't even know where the guy is. I just know that they both realize now they should have followed the guide. And you know what? That church has gone on to have revival. It's a revival church. You know, the devil is nasty, dirty, filthy. He has one thing in mind, and that is to steal, kill, and destroy. He has no concern for you. Matter of fact, he would rather have you than 10 people who have never known the Lord. Well, why would you say that? Because he loves to see people who have been washed in the blood, baptized in the Spirit. And then he loves to take them by their hair and drag them back to the muck and the mire of sin like a sow going back to its wallowing and like a dog going back to its vomit. And then he likes to look up and say, hey, God, see this guy? <laughs> he used to rebuke me in Jesus' name. He used to take people away from me and bring them to you. Look at him now, God. He's in the deepest hell. His once clean, holy hands now have been soiled. If I could have the testimony of all the people who once walked with God and for some reason decided... I'm not going to keep with it anymore. Every one of them would have a valid reason. Every one of them would have a, a good reason for why they did what they did. But when they stand before God and the books are open, they're going to say, oh, no, oh, no. It was a trick of the devil. I have to be very careful. I don't know who's listening online. And I don't want to offend anybody. But I walked in that restaurant and that man had an old sloppy, slouchy, bent, dented, stained hat. A man that I love to this day. He had his head down and he was eating. I walked over to him. How you doing? Not so good. She left me. But you told me that would never happen. Remember, 10 years ago, I stood right there. And I told you this would be the result of that decision. But you said, no, that could never happen. Folks, there's a reason that God 
wakes up a man of God in the night. There's a reason why there's a, a burden that grips a person's soul that God has called to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're talking about some stage guy that all they're interested in is raking in the dough, I promise you this would not be the place. I love you, and you take very good care of me. I'm not complaining, but I just tell you that this would not be the place. If somebody wanted to go and make buku bucks, it would not be probably in Augusta, Maine. Is that fair? But when somebody cries and weeps and prays, and it's called of God. And it's preaching the unadulterated word of God. You need to say, that's the guide that God has placed in my life. And that's the word that he's preaching from. And, and I'm going to follow. And, and God is going to bless. And, and we're going to hold up the word of God together. And we're going to see the, the greatest revival. And I do believe that the greatest revival is going to include mighty signs and wonders in the Holy Ghost. But I do not believe for a moment that we have to give up any of this good book to see that happen. Are you with me? Trust God. He knows what's best for you. He'll take care of you. Let's all stand. You know, do you ever think about this? Preaching only saves them that believe. God has chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them which believe. Preaching only works for people who believe. And that's why the devil would love to fill your heart with chaos, confusion. And by the way, I don't feel like I'm preaching to a body of people here tonight that's messed up. I just feel like I'm preaching what God has laid on my heart and keeps us Understanding why God would have us do what we're doing and, and go where we're going and, and listen to the word of God. I've never seen anybody. I've stood beside a lot of dying people since 1982 when I came here. And I've never yet heard one of them say, Pastor. I just feel like I've been too submissive to God. I've never had anybody call me over as they're getting weaker and they're about to face the God of heaven. Say, I just wish I hadn't dedicated so much. Never heard that. The people that I've been with that have been faithful to God have faced death without fear. And they said, I've, I've fought a good fight. I've run a good race. Thank you, Pastor. I've actually had them say, thank you, Pastor. It made me feel pretty good. Because they were about to graduate. Come on, somebody. Trust your God. Lift your hands right now. 
let God bless you and strengthen you. You're not here by coincidence. You're not here in this service by coincidental happenstance. You're here because God is reaching out to you and loving you and telling you it's going to be okay. Put your trust in God. Put your trust in your guide. Put your trust in the good word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Don't be one of these people that's a loner that you're going to try to do it all by yourself. Well, let me tell you something. You're not going to do very good by yourself. Trust me when I tell you that. I've been in this business a long time. The people who are going to make it are the ones who are going to walk in the flock, graze in the flock. Let the good shepherd Jesus Christ lead his flock and let God put his under shepherd with you to help you, not to hurt you. Is that making sense? I don't know why I got Waterville on my mind tonight, but I remember a fellow that used to be in the church many years ago called me aside and he said, Pastor, there are some people in the church and some people out of the church that don't like what you're doing. That was pretty strange. I think what it boiled down to is him that didn't like what I was doing. And I, and I grieve when I tell you that he's not in the church. Hey, the goal for us is to be successful, to make it all the way home. What would it profit if I gained the whole world and lose my soul? Hallelujah. Would you just spend a moment with me right now in prayer? Jesus... Thank you for this precious group of people. Thank you for those who are living for you and serving you, God. And thank you for everyone, Lord, that has come tonight and those who will worship you online. Lord God, these are wonderful people, and I plead the blood of Jesus over them. I, I ask for mercy and grace. I ask, oh God, that you would guide and direct. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to acknowledge you in all of our ways so that you can direct our paths. God, you're good to us, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful tonight that we can have you as our shepherd, Lord. You're wonderful, gracious and kind, slow to anger and of great mercy. Hallelujah. Because somebody's human, don't allow that to cause you to Walk away from truth. Amen? Amen? Praise God, praise God, praise God. Do you know the most people that I know that have lost out with God, it wasn't a sinner that offended them. It was a brother or a sister. It was a friend in the church. And they said, I'm not going back there anymore. And they didn't realize that was a setup by the devil. But you're in good company because when Jesus comes back at the second advent, not at the rapture, but at the second advent, at the end of the seven years, he's going to come on a white horse. And he's going to come with the redeemed. That's us and millions of others. And we're going to come riding along behind Jesus. And the Jews are going to be assembled 
at the valley of Megiddo where the battle of Armageddon is going on in full force and God is going to wipe up on the enemy and then the Jews are going to turn to Jesus and they're going to say, Messiah. Where did you get those wounds in your hands? You know what he's going to say, Brother Kevin? He's going to say, in the house of my friends. That's where I got these wounds. Hey, folks, it's biblical. Sometimes you're going to get wounds in the house of your friends. But guess what? Jesus endured that. You can endure whatever the Lord has for you to endure. We're almost home now. Did you know that in every church, I'm quitting, honest, there are grace developers. In every church, there are grace developers. Do you know what grace developers are? There are people that come along every once in a while with a bad attitude, say something mean, say something that just cuts you right to the heart. And walk away and leave you bleeding. They are grace developers. They're developing a grace in your life. It really is true. God allows it to happen. It's kind of like how wood would feel if it had feelings when you're applying sandpaper. It doesn't feel very good, but it sure makes it look better, doesn't it? And in every church, there's going to be grace developers. Now, here's what I want to say to you. Try not to be a grace developer. But when one comes your way, remember, it's God trusting you and allowing grace to be developed in your life. And for this, you can give thanks. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now, if you're here tonight and you're struggling, if you're here tonight and, and life has been difficult for you and you would like to come and pray, we would love to pray with you. If you zigged when you should have zagged and the devil's saying, ha, huh, you'll never make it, don't listen to the devil. Of course you'll make it. Just don't give up. You're going to make it. So wherever you are, if you're going through a difficult time or you've been through a difficult time and you want to just come up and just say, God, I hear what you're saying. I'm going to trust my guide. I'm going to trust that you are leading and guiding and directing my steps. And Father, here I am tonight. I come. I come. I come. Here I am, Jesus. I know some of you are tired. It's midweek. Thank you so much for coming tonight. It's only 8.30, though. Maybe there's somebody else that would like to come and say, Lord, you're developing grace in my life, and I thank you for it. I trust you. I trust my guide. I know that you're leading and guiding and directing my steps. Is there anybody else? Just curious. Is there anybody else? Lord... I want to be what you want me to be. I want to do what you'd have me to do. 
I want to go where you'd have me to go and say what you'd have me to say. Here I am. Here I am, Lord. Here I am. I give all myself to you. Here. 